am in the middle of a series. How many of you were here last week? Stick your hand in the air. Okay, so I did, I'm, I'm doing this series on the seed, and um, I'm really excited about it. Um, there's probably, I'm not sure how many of, you know, I could probably talk for all of eternity on this particular series, but, um, but I'm really excited about it because my goal is to, to help get you locked back into the hope and confidence of your promise and the hope and the confidence of the word that God has spoken over you. You know, there are two different kinds and two different forms of word. We have the word that is written, the romance novel that was written for us, the romance book, the book of love that was written for us by God. And, um, and then we have the um, rhema word or the prophetic word that also um, we have available to us to help us to stay locked in to the hope and the confidence of the promises of God over our life, right? So I want to talk to you this morning just about the importance of of the word and the spirit and being people of both, that we are rooted and grounded in the word and we are led as sons of God by his spirit. Both are words and both are necessary for us to fulfill the calling of God on our lives. And I want, I've called us to a 21 day fast, which started on Friday. Um, my goal there And I was really feeling this, the leadership, we were really feeling this as we were praying um, that that the Lord is 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 shifting us back into the truth of the word so that we can get in alignment with what he's doing again. Because many people have have lost the word, not just the written word, but they've lost that uh, that prophetic word and they've let it go. And so we're calling us back in. And so the first uh, seven days, I actually wrote a, um, a prayer guide, which you can get. It's available for you on our information table on the way out. Um, but the prayer guide, I broke it into three parts. So every week we're going to be covering something different. But I really encourage you to take the word and war with the word. Take the word and begin to let the word recreate and realign us into that um, the, the road that God has placed us on. Um, the first week, what we're going to be doing is it's mostly just repentance and, and getting our minds back into the word that God spoke over our lives. And um, so repentance means to change your mind. And a lot of us have forgotten the word that was spoken, so we've got to get re, uh, back in alignment with that word. And, and so I just encourage you to join us. You know, when the Lord called Joshua... Um, to go into the promised land, he said, oh, hey, you've got this city called Jericho. You've got that big wall. Um, A lot of us have a wall and we're looking for a breakthrough from God. And we're sitting around going, you know, God, I'm looking for a breakthrough. I'm looking for a breakthrough. And God's going, yeah, I'm pretty sure I tore that veil. I already broke through. I already did it. It is done. It is finished. It has already happened. And he broke through. He tore the veil so we could access the word again. And so therefore, we've got to get into alignment. And the the part is not on God. You know, we're all waiting for him to do something, but he already did it. And we've got to get into alignment with what he's doing. Amen. So, um, so, so the, the whole point of the of our time together in in this fast is to begin to shout to that wall of Jericho and that place that's keeping us from the promised land 
because when you connect a lot of voices together, you get an incredible sound. And when we're all in unity, we're going to see this thing um, break through. I am completely and totally invested in, in your breakthrough because your breakthrough is my breakthrough because we're family, right? We're the family of God. Um, all right, I want to review a little from last week, the first installment on the seed. And I want to talk to you again about the system of the universe and that there is a battle going on. And we all think, yeah, the battle is raging. It's, you know, um, uh, uh, the, the battle of the mind, but it's truly the battle of the word. The battle of the ages, the battle from inception, when God said, let there be light, the battle became about the word of God. And so again, I want to repeat, the enemy doesn't really care about you. He cares about the word that is in you and his, the whole motivation behind what he wants to do is limit, reverse or completely destroy that word. Because you are a living word. You are the promise of God in the earth. And there is destiny that has been written in the code of your life. And as you fulfill the word, what you do is you actually make this earth a footstool for Jesus. Psalm 119, which by the way, I adore. Um, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Forever, your word is settled in heaven. This psalm is the longest psalm of all of the psalms. It could actually be a book in and of itself. And the primary goal of this psalm is to praise God for his word. And that his word establishes us. His word builds us up. His word creates life for us. His word creates a future for us. And his word actually creates the light and the path that we're to walk on. We walk on his words. His words become the wings that we fly on in order to get to our destiny. And, the, and it says in the beginning was the word in John 1. In the beginning was the word and the word became flesh, right? The word became something. In the beginning was the word and the word actually became something. Jesus, when he came to the earth, he fulfilled over like 60, 70 more than that prophecies, right? What happened? How did that happen that he fulfilled everything? It said that, that every letter, everything was done. And it was fulfilled. Every word was fulfilled. Every prophecy was fulfilled. How did that happen? Especially when most of them were fulfilled by other people other than Jesus. Why? Because the word was in the land. It may have been thousands of years, but the words from heaven came out through the prophets and they were established in the earth. Therefore, when Jesus was born and he came to walk on the earth, he walked on the word. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were, were not made of the things which are visible. If, if God tells you to do something, it's typically going to be impossible. Because if it were possible, you could do it on your own and who, you, know, you wouldn't need God. But, but we live and are supposed to live in the realm of the impossible. 
the parable of the seed tells us that the seed is the word of God and the, and the word of the seed reproduces after itself. It is a principle that God sowed into the earth when he said every seed is going to reproduce after itself. Then what happened when Eve began to believe the word of the enemy that there was lack in God's kingdom, thank you, Lindsay Hatch, that there was lack in God's kingdom. What, what did she say? Well, God's, God's not good. And therefore there, there must be something more that God's not giving me. Well, what she did is she believed another voice. She believed another seed. She believed another word. And it was the word of the serpent or the dragon. He came to hiss or whisper. Serpent means to hiss or to whisper. It means divination. So he came to plant a seed of confusion. So she was like, and the thing about confusion, guys, is confusion has a hint of the word and a hint of the truth in it. Or we can't be deceived. And so it comes with a hiss and it comes with a sound, but it's still a word. And so she chose that word. Therefore, the Lord said to the serpent, on your belly, you shall go. And I'm going to put a battle between your seed and her seed. I'm going to put a battle between these two words. And for all of eternity, there will be a battle of the words, not a battle of between people or between nations, but it will always be between the word. God has said... What did God say? He always comes to test the word that God has spoken to get us to question the goodness of God in our lives. So there are two seeds and these two seeds came from two trees. We have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that produces one seed and we have the tree of life that produces another seed. And I want to go through these. Number one, the knowledge of good and evil. This tree, what it does is it seeks after right and wrong. Because it's the knowledge of good and it's the knowledge of evil. This seed will regularly live according to this right and wrong. This seed is invested in itself. It's invested in self-protection, self-sustaining, building a life and a ministry for yourself, building a life and a ministry and, and, and sometimes even putting God's name on it, but it's all about me and it's all about what's right and it's all about what's wrong. And it's, so it's living life according to the mind and not according to the spirit. This seed will regularly have conflict with others. This seed will regularly be offended with others. This seed judges based on human reasoning. And the fruit of this seed is from Galatians. And I want to read it. I want to read the Passion Bible because I think it so beautifully talks about uh, these two seeds. Um, I'm going to start in. Um, chapter five, verse 19. And what are the cravings of the self life I'm referring to? They are obvious, sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, 
senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being being in love with your own opinion, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for things, will these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God. The fruit of that seed are, this is the fruit of that seed. This is the fruit of the seed of the knowledge of good and evil. And it is so prevalent in the church. It's like I'm a Christian, but what tree am I eating of? Quarrelsome, quarrelsome. We are to live together in peace. We are to live together in love. Now the tree of life seeks love and understanding. This seed will always live according to the spirit and the heart. This seed will always seek to live and grow in understanding with others. And the seed says, I want to seek you out. I want to know you. That's what the seed, that, that's what the seed from the, the tree of life says. I, I, I may not agree with you, but my desire is to seek understanding. My desire is to know you. Therefore, I'm going to sit back and take some time to really pray about this and to to, to try to find the place where we can communicate and love and understand one another. This seed will never allow offense to separate them from others or for offense to remain in their hearts, but to fight for love. This seed seeks the word of God over the word of the mind. And the fruit of this seed is this. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its various expressions. This love is revealed through joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of the heart and strength of the spirit. Never set the law above these qualities for they are meant to be limitless I'm telling you, beloved, that these qualities and, the, and this particular seed is what we're supposed to be reproducing. The seed of the, of, the, of the tree of life, the tree of the word of God that we are to be reproducing. And we can see the evidence of it in our lives. You can take inventory of where you are. And especially when you get in any kind of conflict, what, how, how, do, you, how do you react? It's not about actions in life that will lead you astray, but it's reactions in life that will lead you astray. You see, the word came into conflict at the Tower of Babel. And I want to thank Jared Ellis for for this, um, for um, really inspiring me along these lines. We build, and when we build according to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what happens is that we begin to build upwards. We begin to build a tower for ourselves with our name on it. This is what it says in Genesis eleven four. Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower 
whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Guys, this is a tower of Babel. Babel means confusion. And so the very thing that they were trying to avoid, which was being scattered throughout the whole earth, the Lord looked down on them and he said, listen, you are building for yourselves and you are building for your own name. And he, and he said, let us, the Trinity, go down there and confuse their language so that they will be scattered throughout the whole earth. And it's been that way ever since until Jesus came, he tore the veil. And what happened at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came, the promise of the Father came, he brought fire from heaven that landed on where their minds the place that it is it, it's the enemy of God it's at enmity with God so it, the fire lands on their minds and a new word is deposited into their mouth and so he said I'm going to bring the languages back together and you are going to speak a heavenly language that now is going to create unity in with my people I love praying in tongues. It is absolutely my most precious gift because I can get alignment with heaven like that. I can get alignment with the word of God like that. and, And no matter where I am, I can be strengthened in my inner man through praying in tongues. And so he brought back a language that would be a language that would reconnect his people. So we would no longer be confused. And so the truth came down again and we had clarity in the word. And the word wasn't just a bunch of stories, but the word was life. And as we read it, I don't know about you, but when I read the word of God, I am in a puddle because I'm, I'm seeing it's like a personal conversation that I'm having and it ministers to my heart and it ministers to my emotions and I am undone. And beloved, I want to tell you this. If the word of God doesn't make you cry, you may want to ask God to help you know him through his emotions. Because I, because the, pulls out of me the reality of how deeply I'm loved by him. And it just, it makes me weep, which I love. Now, when we build according to the tree of life and not build according to the Tower of Babel, how does that work? What does that look like? When we build through the tree of life, we actually go down. We don't go up. We actually begin to dig and create a root system in us. Paul said that we are rooted and grounded in love. We are rooted and grounded in the word. We are rooted and grounded in love. If you have the word in you, you have love in you because God is love. Not just the spirit, but the, the, the living word that has become a part of us, the living word, it transforms our mind, but it transforms our DNA 
that we begin to believe the truth of the word and the nature of who God is. And as we create this root system, it says that no matter what kind of storms come, that we will not be moved because our root system has gone down to find the living water. See, what, uh, like I said, what happened at Pentecost was so powerful because of the restoration of this root system and this word. Jesus even said, the least in the kingdom of heaven will be greater than John the Baptist. And he was considered to be the greatest out of the words of Jesus. Why? Because a company of people, a generation of people, the new created uh, people that will begin to see and hear again so that they, men and women, will prophesy based on what they see and what they hear. You will have dreams and you will have visions and you will release the word of the Lord. So he's saying that the word of the Lord will be in the land again, not for some supersonic prophet, but that we would all prophesy. Every single person on this stage that you were watching in worship, they all see and they all hear and they all prophesy. So they're releasing, Mary Forsythe comes up, she's releasing a now word. A now word that's released to lock us in to partner with the word of God. Amen? Amen. He said this in Psalms 1-3. That uh, we would be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit from the seed in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does, he shall prosper. All right, so how is the word stolen from us? What happens? I want you to turn to Matthew 13, and I'm going to read about the sower of the seed, which a lot of us are very familiar with, but... um, It's one of my favorite parables. All right, I'm going to start in um, uh, chapter 13, verse 3. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. And some fell on stony places where they didn't have much earth. And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they, they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And then he says to those that have an ear to hear, let him hear. He goes on and talks about the purpose of parables, and he talks about the hearts of those that will understand the parables that there actually requires a certain heart condition to understand these parables. Um, And then he goes on to explain the parable, and he says, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. Um, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, and the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart, this is he who received the seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word, And immediately receives it with joy. 
Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he received the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it and indeed bears fruit and produces some hundred sixty and thirty. Okay, um, so this is what he's saying. What if the, if the seed is the word, how does the seed or the word get stolen? And he tells us, Four different ways that these uh, that the the seed or the word is going to get stolen from us. He says that number one, there is a lack of understanding of the word, and the word didn't even make it into the soil of their heart, and so they heard the word, but before the word could even take root, the word was stolen, and so there wasn't even an opportunity to even believe, and the word was stolen. Number two, he said that. That, that having no root system, mean, so the word is stolen when we have no root system in us, meaning that we have no intimacy with God. That we, um, that we have not given ourselves to true discipleship, which is what? Prayer, the study of the word, and worship. And so we're not truly a disciple. We just go to church on Sundays. And so he said... Um, when this happens, the seed is going to get stolen because you have no root system in you and you'll start to grow upward, but, but, and you'll, and the sun will come and scorch you. And so, um, he's saying this, that when you connect with God at the heart, see when, when he says the root system comes up, what he's talking about is the mind. You begin to grow in, in, in the mind and begin to learn doctrine, but you haven't gotten the heart behind the doctrine, which is the root system. Because if you don't connect with God at the heart, you will not connect with man at the heart. If you only connect with God through the mind, this is going to puff you up and the, and the, your roots you will not mature. Your roots will not go down deep. But it is love that creates a root system and connecting with God in prayer in that place of intimacy and love. And again, allowing ourselves to get real and vulnerable with God and become and fall in love and have a romantic relationship with him. And I'm talking about romance. I'm talking about I'm not, you know, anyway, um, you know where I'm going. Um then we won't have a mind-driven relationship, which is the knowledge of good and evil. And it, it's interesting here that it actually says um, that, that, that uh, it says, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises, why does it arise? Because of the word. Because We've been given a promise and a hope. And so we have the word in us and we believed. We believed the word. And so the tribulation and the persecution comes because of the word. And so again, the battle is over the word. He wants to steal the word that you're carrying. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking we need to get kind of some righteous indignation over this nonsense. Okay, the next, the third is the cares of the world cause our love to grow cold 
meaning that we get in offense, bitterness, unforgiveness. And um, the fourth is the deceitfulness of riches that cause their love to grow lukewarm, meaning I'm, I'm wealthy and I'm in need of nothing. You know, it's the Revelation 3 Laodicean church. And these things choke the word and make us unfruitful. You know, um, and then it goes on, it goes on to say, uh, how do you produce 30, 60, 100 fold? Because I don't know about you, but I really don't want to have to go through all of this and not actually produce some fruit, you know, (laughs) right? I mean, Jesus, remember the famous speech that he gave, you know, like he had all these, he had like a very popular ministry. He had all these people, thousands of people that were following him everywhere he went. And then he gives the cannibal speech, the cannibal teaching. You have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the disciples are like, but we were so popular, you know? Now the disciples are like, okay, they're going to think that this is, this is weird. This is weird. And so everybody left. You know, Jesus is looking for the heart. He's looking for those that say what they said. He said to the disciples, where well, are you going to leave me to? They all left. You're going to leave me to. And they said, where will we go? But you have the words of life. They didn't say you do miracles. They didn't say you heal people. They said you have the words of life. Where else can we go? And we find ourselves in that situation over and over because God said, but now comes the battle of the ages to maintain and keep that word going. Because you're like, Yeah, it'd be good if you would say, and then like the next day, that would come to fulfillment. Praise Lord, hallelujah. I like how this works. But instead, he says, and then 10 years later, or 20. How long was it for, uh, who was it? Who shall I pick? I don't know. What hero of the faith? (laughs) They're all like, 60 years, I'm pretty sure that, you know, I have a dusty uterus by now. That was Sarah. Okay, that's a line from a movie. I said it. So... I can't even remember what movie that was from. Oh, it was Get Smart. Hilarious movie, okay. Especially when he kept getting, okay, anyway. Um, All right, so what does it take for the word of God to reproduce hundredfold? Because that's what I'm in it for. I'm in for this game to make some fruit, amen? Um, He said this, and I'm going to take this out of Luke 8.15 and also Matthew 13.23. It is, number one, that you hear the word with a noble and a good heart. That you hear the word with a noble, meaning a humble heart. You hear the word with a good heart, meaning a teachable heart. Have you ever met somebody that doesn't have a teachable heart? That like you could do this all day long and and be, you know, sharing just wisdom and counsel. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and they go off and you're like, okay, good luck with that, you know. And, and being my age, <clears throat> I've seen a lot of that. Um, but having, so you receive the word with these two qualities, that your heart has these two qualities, that we have a teachable and a humble heart. Um, the, the second thing that he says is, is um, to those that keep the word. That word, that word keep means keeping it secure or holding firm possession of it. That we would value the word so much that we would keep it secure within our hearts. That it, we would carry it and partner with hope, faith, and love so that the word would happen in its time. And then it says and um, that, that, that keeps the word with patience. And he wouldn't even say with patience if we didn't have to be patient. <laughs> and that's the tough part because we are that fast food generation. I don't know about y'all, but I go to Whataburger. How many of you love Whataburger? I love Whataburger. I used to, I, th- those of you that don't know me, I used to be a Whataburger franchisee. Yeah, I did. Hot, fresh, made to order. I can make that hamburger. Anyway, um, but the thing about the Whataburgers, they don't actually start cooking it until you get there. And so you're kind of like, I'm sorry, you made me wait 10 minutes for my burger, whereas I can get it in like two minutes down the road because they've already made it and they just slide it, you know, under those heat lamps. And so we are so ready for something to happen and we want it to happen now. But don't you know that when you have to wait and you have to war for it, that when it comes, I mean, it is like, it's like so valuable to us. And, and in a way, I, I believe that the word will prove out that God is really looking to see our faith. He's looking to see what we truly believe. Because the truth is, through our lives, we have been hit by the enemy in our hearts. It, the word says that the enemy, he will roam around and he's looking for an entry point. Well, what do you think he's roaming around? He's roaming around your heart because he's looking for an entry point of where you've believed a lie. There's a word stuck in your heart that is a lie and he's going to go in, in that little spot and he's going to continue to speak to that and lie in that place. So that you will believe it because, of course, the lie's already there. Right? They've actually done studies on the human mind about pathways in the brain. That as we speak, it creates pathways in the brain. And so where the lie was, there's actually a pathway where the lie was. But if we'll begin to speak the word of God, it will close up and cause that pathway to atrophy. And they've done tests on this and they've taken pictures of the human brain, which is why it's so important for us to daily proclaim the word of God. Because the truth is over the lie, which is why he said that, the, that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, that the blood of Jesus speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So when Abel, an innocent man, was slain by his brother, the word says that the blood, his blood cries out. 
Well, there is a better word that now is crying out and has a voice. And that word has gone within you. Therefore, that word will subjugate the word of the enemy because it has more power. So there are seven disciplines that will help to keep the word, help you to keep the word with patience so that you will begin to multiply a hundredfold. Number one, let the word minister to your heart daily. Let the word minister to your heart daily. Now, that is the the written word. Um, I just, I have taken um, a lot of, of scripture out of here and I and I have it on my sticky notes on my computer and so every day out loud now you have to speak it out loud it is so important to be um, to, to use the spoken word because the, uh, they did a study in uh, Australia and they found that your voice has more power over your mind to transform your mind than any other voice so as you speak the word you and Jesus here you are you're speaking the word you begin to Raise the dead. You begin to raise the dead in you. Come on. Why did, was, why did Jesus rise on the third day? Because he said he would. Come on. All right. I want to show you my dream book. This is my book of prophecy. This is my book of, of all of the visions and the dreams and the words that have been spoken over my life. Um, can you guys put up my word up here? And I've shown you this, but what I did is I have written down every word that has ever been spoken and there are threads throughout it. And so I know what my story is. I know what the word is for me. And so every day what I do is I thank the Lord for these things because we enter in through thanksgiving and praise. And so I just thank God. I said, I thank you, Father, for, and I read it out. Thank you, Father, for. Now, what am I doing? I'm activating the word. I'm continuing to keep the word active in my life. The sword of the spirit is alive And what happens is if I ever get out of this discipline, the enemy will come in and begin to try to sow in another word. Because the word of God is laying dormant. And so the word of the enemy, because he's looking, he's just roaming around looking for a way to sow in a lie. And it typically that lie will come in with betrayal or heartache, or something that has happened to you that will serve up that lie again. Up oh, there's that lie again. But if you have surrounded yourself with the sword of the Spirit and the Word of God, keeping in faith, then you know that that word that comes from the enemy cannot take a stronghold in you. And if you have gotten, if you've kind of gotten lazy in this, if you haven't been doing it, I will guarantee you that if you'll do it within three days, you will be raised from the dead. You will begin to feel that, that, that wind of God coming back in your lungs and in your mind. 
Um, okay, so the second thing uh, that you have to do, especially if you are under a time where the enemy has come in and is you're under attack, you have got to increase your time of prayer. Look, when you're in a battle, it's not time to get in the lazy boy. It is time to get in a forward m- motion and begin to say, all right, I got to do the things that I know that will keep me victorious during this time because I will guarantee you if you're in a battle, it's because you're about to break through. And instead of letting the enemy push you back, you get in that forward position, you get the sword of the spirit and you begin to push through that wall of resistance. Increase your time in prayer and worship. Three, take communion daily. Communion is not an exercise. It's not a church exercise. There is power in communion. There is power in the blood. I had a woman tell me who was, whose father was a high a satanic priest in California. And um, she was what they called a birther, which means that she had had 11 uh, children by the time she was 18 that had been sacrificed. Now, this was an incredible situation. And she got out of this scenario by being uh, saved by Jesus. But then, uh, and she had multiple personalities. She got reconnected because she heard the voice of the Lord say, take communion every day. It is a weapon that we use to push through the resistance of the enemy. It is a weapon that God has given us. And he said, my blood and my body will transform you from the inside. It will strengthen you and the enemy cannot come near you. Uh, Third, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, the fourth thing to do is get watchmen on your wall. The thing about intercessors, man, first of all, they were created to pray. Well, all of us are created to pray, but you talk to an intercessor man and you say, can you pray for me? She's like, oh yeah, man, that's awesome. And they know how to pray. They know how to bring heaven to the earth on your behalf. Get your intercessors and your watchmen on your wall praying for you. Number five, seek wise counsel um, to make sure that you're not the problem. (laughs) Uh, Number six, uh, watch your words. Don't complain about what God isn't doing and then don't accuse others because a lot of times when we're not seeing and realizing our promise, we want to blame others that they're not either promoting us or whatever. Um, Number seven, did I say seven or six? I said seven, right? Yeah, seven. Number seven, uh, pray in tongues. If anybody has an interpretation, come up and tell me. I'm pretty sure I just said praying tongues. In tongues. <laughs> anyway, um, I am invested in you breaking through. I am invested in, in helping you to get to the promises of God for your life. Um, worship team, would y'all come up? Um, and prayer team, would y'all come up? We want to pray over you. We want to, if you feel stuck, if you, if the enemy has really been um, dancing on your head and your heart, we really want to help you get some freedom this morning. Um, We want to pray for you and just uh, help to realign you. But this week, please join us in this fast and really, uh, you know, I'm not 
telling you what to fast. That's between you and the Lord. Um, a lot of people are doing the Daniel fast. A lot of people are doing uh, no food and just water. So, I mean, it's totally up to you. You could do a, a Facebook fast. And um, I find that fasting social media is actually so refreshing. Um, you don't spend your, all t- your whole time looking at what other people are doing or how you think other people are having more fun than you. <laughs> no, it's a thing. They did a study. It's on my, it's on my uh, Facebook feed. Y'all should read it. <laughs> it's on my Facebook feed about how not to watch Facebook. Or look at Facebook, whatever. Anyway, let me pray. Do I have a worship team up here? Kind of, sort of. Well, Lord, we do, we, um, why don't you guys stand? Let's get out of those chairs. These are actually, these have a limit of of two hours. We call them two hours chairs. Um, Holy Spirit, we love you and we bless you. And we thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. We thank you that you have released a word over us. That we are a prophetic people. Father, we want to be rooted and grounded in your word. We want to be rooted and grounded in love. God, we want to know you. We want to know you in love. We don't want to just know your stories. We want to know the person of who you are. Would you reveal to us your emotions that we can feel you, we can see you, we can experience you in a real way through your word, God. We just confess today that your word is true and that the devil is a liar. And, and, and this week, God, I'm asking that you would shift us back into the place of believing. That, Father, we just confess everywhere that we have been agreeing with the enemy. That we have, that we have been agreeing with his lies over our life. And we just want to realign ourselves this week through confession and through repentance. Would you give us the strength, God? Um, to be reestablished by your word, to be rebuilt, to be uh, built up, to be encouraged again, that we would be have the courage to believe again. We just thank you, God. We love you, and we thank you that we have eyes to see and ears to hear. And so we bless you.